Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bobblehead Podcast. We have a special series coming up, and today is the first in that series. Um, for those that are watching on YouTube, you see that um, we are adorned in uh, some quite different attire than we usually are. Some would say better, but um, if you're just listening, uh, Davin and I are, uh, I have the uh, Laughing Clown Malt Liquor shirt from uh, Caldea Nights, and Davin has the Wonder Bread shirt from uh, Ricky Bobby's first big sponsor. So uh, we're starting a series based on the quotes from Talladega Nights that we love the most and how do we incorporate those into our life and what do they mean? So it should be really interesting. You're either going to love this or you're going to hate it. So if you love it, continue to tune in. If you hate it, come see us back in a couple of months. See how that goes. So with that being said, here we go. Pre-done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's ready for the fishing hook. It is right. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm actually a little bit surprised it didn't come with a fish with a fish hook. Really? Yeah. NASCAR doesn't really typically have fishing hooks in there. Yeah, but I think think there's there's consistency between the type of person that watches NASCAR and a type of person. I feel like you're judging now. Yeah, I for sure. Like, yeah, but, you're like judging. just just to you, throw that out there, like hundred percent. I think you're profiling. <laughs> I 100% percent of profiling, profiling. <laughs> but th- that was the type of person I grew up with and the type of person I was growing up. So I feel like I'm, I'm speaking of my people. So 15 years ago, I was that. I know. I had the RV at the mm-hmm. out, outside. I never did it. I never had a campsite in, in the uh, racetrack though. No. Yeah. I had a couple of friends lose their marriages over camping out in. Yeah. I, I've, I've heard it's infield is what they call it. Insanity unrivaled yeah it's yeah not good <laughs> not probably good. not not, not yeah. a place but like we'd go we go see our friends for maybe an hour and after seeing and that would be like early and they say about 11 or 12 o'clock it gets pretty hairy yeah i can yeah i can 100 percent imagine yeah however i did have my first taste of uh moonshine at the daytona speedway in daytona florida you know, you can get that jarred moonshine and you taste it. You're like, that's, it's a little bit strong, but it just kind of tastes like corn whiskey, corn liquor, real moonshine sucks the moisture out of your, like out of your mouth. It makes it hard to think the first, I think, the first I think the word you're moonshine. looking for is sucks the life out of your body. Dude. I, I was, I remember the, the first time I took a sip, I was, when I was at station in Georgia and it was a just country yeah. friends. And yeah. he was like, dude, you ever, you ever had shine? I'm like, man, it's gotta be like taking a, taking a shot. Yeah. It, like, like taking a, a shot, like of lightning. <laughs> I'd never, I, I, it, I was, I was wholly unprepared for what yeah. that, for what that yeah. did to me. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of, um, we went to, here I go speaking of my past again to an NHRA track. And have you ever gone to see the dragsters, like the top fuel dragsters? Nope. So when you, when they rebuild the motor after every race, well, the first, you know, they put the heads back on it and put everything back together and then they you know, fill it full of fuel and then they crank it to make sure everything's running right. And so a lot of people come and stand like right next to it while they're doing it and they go to crank it up and all of a sudden you'll see half the crowd move back, start moving back and like, what are they doing? And they crank it. And what happens is all that, that fuel, that alcohol, it burns and it's, it pulls all the oxygen out of the air about 20, within about 20 or 30 foot range from the car. Like you literally can't, you can't breathe it, and it just sucks it out of your lungs. It pulls the oxygen and everything okay. out of your lungs. So it's kind of the same thing as that first hit of, uh, of shine. It's just like, Ooh, you just, you can't breathe. Yeah. yeah. It, and, and then we went overseas and 
the last time I was over there, we were with the uh, the Polish and the yeah. Polish Grom, their counterterrorism group. These, these dudes are hundred percent badasses, but they would make their own yeah. uh, w- their own liquor, and it was ungodly. Like, <laughs> out, of first, any, out of anything, probably that they can find. It, it, come to find out, they use the de-icing fluid from the like isopropyl no, alcohol. From the, yeah, no. Yeah, like it, this, this stuff would like alter your DNA. Like you were, you were not the same person after yeah, after you yeah. drank this stuff for the yeah, yeah. for the first time. Like, well, because half the people go blind because it's isopropyl alcohol. But <laughs> right. me, I, I, I just maybe lost a couple of brain cells. Yeah, there's more than one. More than one. <laughs> look so at me now. I'm look kick-ass. at you now. You're perfectly fine. It actually helped. It just calms you down. So you know, that's a really good lead-in to what we're going to talk about today. And um, today is a quite a special day Davin. it is we've been talking about doing this for months now and so we finally got it together and put it together so um for those of you that are listening um those of you that are watching on youtube we're going to have a ser- new series and it's a series based on the great and famous quotes from talladega nights mm-hmm. so maybe one of my favorite movies um from my past, along with Fletch, which we, we argue over that, but that's okay. But Talladega Nights has some of the best one-liners. Yeah. And so we're going to try, we're going to try our best to take those one-liners or those quotes and, uh, and try to make something of them. We're going to try to relate those to, um, kind of the whole work family, um, personal life stuff that we talk about here on the podcast. So we'll, we'll see how this goes. So you're either you're going to love this <laughs> or you're going to hate it. So after you listen to today, you're either going to tune out for a while or you're going to tune in for the whole series. So yeah. hang on. I think you're right. Probably the most quotable movie of all time. Oh, yeah. It, it really Maybe is. Maybe one of Will Ferrell's best, in my opinion. Yeah, I would I would 100% agree with that. And, I mean, we're wearing a pair, like, your your hat. I would say I love your hat, but, like, it you look absolutely, it's like seven shades ridiculous in that thing. But I know I, know I do, you. too. Yeah. Um, but I feel like this really fits. This is a proper NASCAR hat. I really do. It, it is a proper, like it, it came from Amazon, like pre, for those of you that are listening that aren't seeing it on YouTube, it came like with the bill already pre-formed. And it's, I mean, it came from the factory that way. So let's let's kind of give a, a uh, maybe a word picture for those that are listening that aren't watching on YouTube. What What's going on right now? What, what we're wearing and. So I'm looking, I'm looking at you wearing the, what the, the laughing clown malt liquor, that, the, which was the original car. Yeah. The, the original. first car. Right. right. In, in the very, the very opening scene of the movie. Yes, right? Exactly. Um, and, and the hat and th- that hat doesn't have, have a whole lot of structure to it. No. Um, you look ridiculous. It may or may not have paid royalties to the show. <laughs> yeah. Somebody made money off of it. And yeah. I'm wearing, you know, like a proper, again, NASCAR hat. Like if you put a, a three on this, like raise, raise hail, praise Dale and, right, and hail, right. right? Isn't that what they say? Um, and, and then wearing a, a Wonder Bread T-shirt, which is, yeah. Didn't he put? Is that the one where? He, no, the Fig Newtons was when he put the put it across the right. Yeah, well, Wonder, so Wonder Bread. Was that was his Wonder Bread too. was his first car that he had big sponsorship on. Yeah, it was. It was the one that after Laughing Clown Malt Liquor. Yeah, and like it's weird because I feel like the longer I wear this, like the more like I just feel inclined to call my sister and ask her out on a date. Um, but I, I, we won't. I won't do that. I don't well, think. You know, depending on how long this takes. At least, <laughs> I, I started to say something. I thought, you know, maybe I just better keep. It maybe we'll just. Maybe we'll just. We'll leave just that go one, on from there. Leave that one. But I, I really hope she's doing well. <laughs> Bless her heart. So, we're going to start with with a quote, right? We are. We're going to start with a quote, and maybe the most famous quote for the movie. Yeah. If you ain't first, you're last. 
exactly said by who, who was who Reese Bobby. He said it Reese Bobby, like, very beginning and, of the movie. And for those that don't know, who's Reese Bobby? Reese Bobby is, is Ricky Bobby's dad, and he went to like show and tell at the school, and he ended up getting thrown out. And he takes off, and it was in a, like a '71 Chevelle, like badass car, yeah, beautiful really, car. really cool car. And like it ends up making its way back around later on, which right. I'm sure we'll talk about later. Um, but as he's as he's getting in the car, he says, you know, if you ain't first, you're last. Remember that, you know. And then I'll see you, I'll see you later on in life. And then it cuts to him. Um, winning a race, and he you know gives a whole spiel about right. how he's a big hairy work American winning machine. In fact, this would be a really good place to just play that clip. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so there we go. You're a winner. You've got the gift. Always remember, if you ain't first, you're last. If you ain't first, you're last. See you when you're growing up. Machine. If you ain't first, you're last. You know, don't talk about that phrase, trademark, not to use the tradition of Ricky Bobby. But there's so much to that, right? And Ricky in the movie kind of lives his life. Like, if you ain't first, you're last. Like, nobody wins more, but nobody nobody wrecks more. It cars. becomes his mantra for life. Right. It, it, it really does. And, and as you go through the movie, you see that his family kind of lives by that model also. And there's a lot of positive that comes with it because he's one of the most lucrative racers. But his life's also a complete dumpster because he lives by the, if, lives you're by not, if you're not first, yeah. you're last. And right. I, I chose that one because a it's the most famous, but b I think there's a lot of correlation to life, especially for for the younger generations to live life as though if you ain't first, you're last. Yeah, um, especially and you know, and we didn't grow up with this. Is you know that a lot of the the kids nowadays listen to me. All the kids nowadays get off my yard. Um, a lot of the kids nowadays, you know, grow up with the social media thing, especially mm-hmm. like the Insta and TikTok and all that, where you know they've seen people go from obscurity to fame and making a lot of money. Um, by just putting themselves out there and through social media. And so, you know, it's one of those things where either you're rich and famous or you're not. So it's either your first or your last. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I live my life that way. I think when you're younger, I think you almost, you almost need to, right? Like it's live life full throttle, like unencumbered by the fact that life is going to end up kind of kicking the ass over and over and over again. And, And so you live life aggressively, you live it fast, and sometimes you do really well, and other times you're calling your parents asking them for money because, you know, you're broke or because broke, you did something right. stupid or, or right. right. Um, and, and, you know, Ricky kind of lives his, his life that way as the movie goes, but, you know, as you get older, you start to learn things, and then the pace of life starts to slow down right. a little bit, right? And, and I, actually, there was a, a quote, which I don't know that we're going to use that later on, but we can include it now, and that was, you know, later on, he's like, you know, he was talking to his dad, and he's like, Hey, you know what you told me when I was a kid is first, you're the first, you're last. And he goes, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. There's a second place and a third place. Um, <laughs> he goes, hell, I was high when I, I said was, that. Or I something like that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> At least you remember that part. Uh, but you know, and, and that's, that's part of, that's part of what, you know, sometimes we don't realize and some of the times we don't recognize is, you know, there's a time to be first and there's a time to be second or third and, and it's about, especially as, as you get older and have responsibility, you learn that, you know, you being first is probably not the best idea because sometimes you have to put others before yourself. Um, we've talked about this many times, even on the podcast is, man, you have that first kid, <laughs> it's no longer first or last because you're dead last no yep. matter what. And everybody comes before you. And, um, you know, I think it was Jamie's mom always said that you don't truly grow up until you have a kid. And the reason why is because finally learn how to be selfless. Yeah. And you know, that goes back to, if you're not first or last, you can't be first and be selfless. 
Yeah, it, it's an interesting point. And, and I think, you know, going back to my younger years, I, I remember growing up in the military and, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to be pretty successful in what it was that I did. And I never, you know, like with ranger school and other schooling like that, like I, I went straight through, you know, did, did really well. And I, I went to jump master school. And for the first time in my military career, and the only time in my military career, I failed out of the school. And it was like 12 hours before graduation. Really tough school. A lot of people recycle it. But I remember in that moment, realizing I'd never experienced that that level of like devastation is the only really word I can put to it um, in in the military. And I, it, I realized in that moment that I, I had started to become a byproduct of my achievements. Mm. Right. And I, I had to change the way that I viewed that because, you know, like I wasn't anything other than like Davin Marceau, the Army Ranger, Pathfinder, on and on and on. And then I wasn't Army Ranger, Pathfinder, Jumpmaster. And right. it was I realized that that I was gleaning um, my self-worth from my achievements and from my accomplishments. So like I'd been first and first and first and, and I just lived my life that way. And when I, the first time I experienced being last, it rattled me to my freaking core, man. What did you, at what point in time did you realize that that wasn't a good thing or you realized that you weren't all that you thought you were? And what was it at that moment? I think, yeah, I think so. And then, you know, you kind of dig in and explore that later on. But, but I, in that moment, I was like, wait a minute, like there's more to life than just, doing this and, and being this. And, and it was funny, Tim, because I was a parent at the time when, when that happened, but still very much involved in the military. And, you know, I realized that that, that for, for me is kind of that story about it does, you don't have to always be first, like you can be, it's okay to be in the middle. And, and I, it doesn't mean that you don't seek out life as a high performer, because I mm -hmm. think we should always be doing that. But right. you don't have to become a byproduct of your achievements. Right. I, I can think professionally, you know, Early on when we started the company, you know, we were there were at least two, maybe three companies ahead of us that really had their act together, been doing this for a long time. And that was going back to, you know, the healthcare, you know, electronic forms business. And um, man, a lot of, I think there's at least three or maybe four companies that had been doing this for a while and really had it down pretty well. And so we entered the market and man, we had talking about percentage of market share, it was point something, right? Mm -hmm. And um it was, it was difficult because we were kind of in guerrilla warfare. We were the ones always behind. We're always the one that was, you know, felt like we had the least, we felt like we had a lot to offer, but we had the least chance. And so because of that, we had to really try to achieve and go over and beyond. But at the same time, man, at some point in time, we had to stop and go, okay, you know, this is a big pie and there's a piece here for everyone. And it may be a while before we have the biggest piece or before we have the whole thing. Right. Hmm. And, uh, and that was, to me, that was almost a very strategic decision that we made or that I made really that it was okay. It was okay to not be the number one vendor, you know, right away and it hurt and it stunk and it was hard to lose, but you know, we gained here one, and we'd gain there too, and we'd get three here, and maybe one there, and and we started making up, you know, from where we were, and we got better and better, and you know, kind of we're to the point now where we kind of are that number one person after 22 years, but we don't see ourselves that way. We always feel like we're the underdog, and every opportunity we come in, we got to we, we're confident, but you know, we always feel like we're the underdog, and uh, you know, that was the first time in my life where. I had to be okay with not being first 
and making a strategic decision to not be first and to be okay with it and to learn how to be really good fourth place and then how to be really good third place and had to be, you know, really good second place. You know, we talk about NASCAR now, but you know, if one of the things, uh, I don't know if you watch F1, I'm a big race fan, um, but in F1, you know, you see some of these guys place 10th and their team goes crazy. Because in, in F1, Formula One, Formula as they said, in, <laughs> is, uh, you know, the first 10 places get points. And if you're 11th place, you get no points. And, and points can mean, you know, you get funding, either from F1 or from your sponsors or not. And so it, it can be, as a, as a driver, um, being in the top 10 is a big deal. So some of these guys, man, they get 10th place and they are going nuts. And and then you get guys that are third place, that get up on the podium for the first time, and they've never been on the podium before in their lives in Formula One. And it's just like the greatest moment of their life. And they're great with being third until they win a race. Mm-hmm. And once you win a race, <laughs> once you become first – it's hard to not be that. And, you know, it's, there's, it's that taste of victory. It's that taste of being first and the confidence to say that I know I can do this, I've done it, and now I've got to stay here. It's almost a harder job to stay there than it is to get there. And even if it, you know, for us, it maybe took 19 years to get there. But now that we've kind of gotten there, it's you got to be careful not to live with the idea of we could lose this. We almost have to press forward and act like we're third and fight for every inch we can in order to not lose. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, th- you know, think about the movie. You know, he's number one. He, he wins a lot. He crashes a lot. And people think that he's, you know, has, has his stuff together. And at home, you know, Walker and Texas Ranger throwing chips, war medals off the bridge, and his wife cheating on him with Cal Knott and June. You know, things yeah. you're, just because you're number one right. doesn't mean that your house is in order. And it, in, in business a lot, a lot of these big companies that you see, they're they're struggling with profitability and they have a lot of the same problems as everybody else it just has a shiny coat over the top of it because they're the number one in the marketplace yeah right and you know think about our vertical is a lot of people that were number one for a long time like look at those companies now yeah you know like like they they settle into the fact that they're big and and that they're good and that they're gonna you know be number one forever and then they they struggle And, and they don't even and the funny thing about that they don't struggle from the outside in, they struggle from the inside out. Yeah, and that's usually the, the, the company rots from the inside out because they all get that that winner's mentality and, yeah. and just kind of rest on their laurels. And, and you know, it, it's in the in the movie, you know, racing and, and winning races was his life. And mm-hmm. like you said, everything else kind of fell apart in your career, and you know, both military and you know, the private. How many people did you see that? really were number one that were the best professionally that were there. I mean, everybody thought they were the biggest, baddest, most awesome, could do no wrong. But yet at home, it was just a dumpster fire. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I think so many people concentrate so much on winning. And the reality is it's, it's hard to win in all phases of life. You know, it's kind of like a, um, a football team where they talk about the, where there are three phases, it's, Offense, defense, defense, and special, special teams. teams yeah. And, you know, if, if, man, one of those is off, then you may not win a game. And But you've got to have all three balanced. And, and that's, man, that's hard to do. That's hard to win in all three areas of your life. You know, with both, you know, if you have a marriage, you know, making that first. Um, at work, being professional and making that first. Then being a, a parent and then even a friend. 
man, it's hard to be first in all those things, meaning it's hard to be the best. And sometimes we try so hard to be the best that the trying gets in the way of just being. Yeah, it's a good point. And, you know, and what's so fickle about it is that if work is good and home is bad, work's going to eventually be bad. Right. Like they're so yeah. intrinsically tied together that, you know, you have to make sure that, that you're putting as much effort into it. And because you see a lot of times that, that, that guy that's a stellar performer at work and at home, if he's not doing the right things or if he's making bad decisions or he has a bad home life, like inevitably his professional performance is going to wane right. because of you, you are who you are, who you are. Yeah. Right. And it doesn't mean people don't make mistakes and whatever else. Like it, it's life is life is tough, yeah. but you have to make sure that you, who you are and, and your approach to winning and being is consistent across the domains of your life. Yeah. Um, I was actually watching, uh, uh, it was a YouTube, a, a podcast, um, not long ago, I get an email, I'm a pilot and I get these aviation ones. And it was really cool. This guy that used to be, I can't remember the podcast. I should remember that. It's like fighter pilot, something podcast, the fighter pilots podcast. Anyway. So what they had done is they had rented out a movie studio to go see Top Gun Maverick, the new one. And, um, they invited all their family, but what's cool is the guy that runs a podcast was, I believe if I remember right, my memory serves me correct. He was a Top Gun instructor for several years back, maybe in 2002, give or take. And he had three other guys with him. And both of them had been, I don't know if they were instructors or they were just had gone through Top Gun. And another guy that was like in the 80s was a Top Gun instructor. And so they actually went and watched the movie and they were kind of talking through, you know, they all flew F-18s and F-14. You know, some of them flew F-14s and some of them had flown the 35. And one guy had actually flown the 22. Oh, wow. And so they were just talking about, you know, the movie and they were talking about it was it was it very similar to what real life was as a fighter pilot and did the planes really do that? Anyway, that's not a place I won't dive into all that stuff. But one of the things they, they got into was the idea of egos and, you know, how many how many of the guys that they trained had huge egos and they were talking about how, you know, how difficult that made it and that, you know, having everybody has an ego. And everybody was a little confident and some people were cocky, but if it was too much, it was hard to get past that in order to teach and train. And so, you know, there takes quite a bit of, of, um, humbleness in order to be able to learn. And they were just, they were talking through what type of student was easiest to teach, which ones really excelled. And that was the ones that had a lot of confidence, but also knew, you know, when to be humble and when to listen and when to accept criticism. And man, when you get someone that's, you know, the, the best of the best in the elite, the greater than 1% or whatever, the, whatever it is, you know, there's something that comes along with that where you begin to, to say eat your own dog food a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right. And you, you think that you're, you're really all that. And, um, and that goes with, and that goes with everything. That's not just, you know, fighter pilots. That's professionals. Um, as salespeople, we can feel that way. Uh, and, you know, as, as parents, it, it doesn't last long if we do feel that way because we'll get knocked down pretty quick. Our kids tend to humble us. But even in marriage sometimes we can, we can think that we've got it all figured out and, you know, everything is their fault and not our fault. And, and uh, you know, they're the ones messed up. And there's a lot of marriage counselors who make a lot of money off of that. Oh yeah. 
just because it, it if if you really believe you're first, if you really believe you're all that, then man, you got you got it coming to you. <laughs> Absolutely, and and I think the sweet spot lies in finding that tipping point between wanting to win and doing, but then doing it the right way and doing it with humility, right? Like, right. I want to be that person. I am that person that wakes up in the morning and tries to, to win the day, right? I want to be surrounded by people that wake up and try to win the right. day, right? right? In life, in, you know, professionally, every facet, I want to be surrounded by those kind of people because that's, that's how I want to live my life, right? right. But there's a, there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. Mm -hmm. You can approach life with a winning mentality, but you can do it with a servant's heart or you can do it with humility. And I think approaching life and trying to win in that way, it's, it's not a zero sum game. Like right. I can win, you can win. And if you and I both win the day, then the company is better and our right. lives are better and our kids and our spouses are better. And so, you know, so many times, especially when you're younger, you try to play that zero sum game. Like I have to win this interaction, whether right, it's a conversation right, or a basketball right. game or whatever. And you're willing to take a guy out at the knees just to make sure that, that you win, mm -hmm. right? Those types of victories in life are short lived because you may be at the top in your mind and you're going to look around and nobody else is going to be around you because they can't yeah. stand you. It, I guess it comes down to how do you define win, right? Right. And, and that's what I think we spend our whole life trying to figure out is trying to define what win means. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as the older you get, and I, here I go, sound like the old guy, the older you get, the more you don't define it as I'm better than the other person. It's, did I win? Did I accomplish what I wanted to accomplish? And a lot, what you learn as you get older is you do that sometimes in spite of yourself. And you do that with a team. You do that with help. You do it through mentors. You do it with, you know, assistance from people that know more than you. And when you gain that knowledge and that wisdom, then you share that not because you want to win and because that's by nature, that's what we want to do. And so that's what's fun is, you know, go back to the quote, if you're not first, you're last, is how do you see yourself and how do others see you? Do they see you as that guy that always has to be first? Yeah, I, I like that. And you know, kind of close out with this reminds me of that Ben Bergeron, the train training, practice, competing. You know, I, I think that oh, in yeah, life, that especially when, when you're younger, you spend 90% of your life competing, 5% of your time practicing, 5% of your time training, right? And, you know, practicing and training are, are where the, the elements of your life where you work to get better. Right. And the problem, and, and he gives it in the context of being a CrossFit athlete, like you walk into the gym, you see the workout on the board, and you just want to do it as fast as possible, as quick as possible, and as few reps, whatever the, whatever the scheme happens to be. But the problem is when you approach life with competing 90% of the time is you are willing to create shortcuts. You are willing to cut repetition short and do things not to full completion because all you want to do is be the quickest time on the board or have right. the heaviest weight on the board. Right. It, but if you shift that approach and spend 45% of your time training, 45% of your time practicing and 10% of your time competing. And that competition comes as a byproduct of how heavily you focus on internal excellence, right? Then competition becomes a byproduct of the focus on yourself. So for me, 
you know, win, winning and competing is with myself and myself from yesterday. And, and I, I, I approach that professionally now. And it's because I'm 40 and I've learned, right? Instead of trying to compete with the world, I compete with myself from yesterday. I want to be, I want to be a better version of the Davin from yesterday. I want to be a way better version than the Davin from a year ago and on and on that goes. And, and I think if you approach life from, from trying to win that way, then you want other people to win around you because you want to be surrounded by winners. It, it, I like that. I like that a lot. And and it made me think, you know, we think of pride kind of comes, the word pride comes, oh, yeah. comes to mind. And, and, you know, the people that are successful and you think of what Bergeron was talking about is our pride and what we win is the, what we want to win is the journey. The end result will take care of itself, right? Whatever that is, whether, whether, you know, you get the medal or you stand on top of the podium, but man, it's, it's the journey you take. It's, it's those workouts, it's all the hard work and effort you put in, um, man, that's what you look back on. And that's what you're most proud of. And you, you know what? I won life, not because I, I died the richest or I was the most famous or I was a number one in my company or, you know, whatever it was, but man, what you look back on is all the work you put into trying to be your best. That's what you win. Mm-hmm. That's how to win life is it's about the journey it's not the destination you know we're all gonna die and we can't take it with us but what do we leave behind and that's that legacy i love it and because of that you can just be a big hairy american winning machine <laughs> uh we may actually talk about that one at one time don't we? yeah what was that was that one of our quotes oh yeah it's for It'll sure have one. to be right yeah it's, it's maybe my favorite quote from the movie of course that- it is that of course that we that we can say in the context of this podcast yes without it without having to change the rating on it so right. um yeah man that was that was fun all right so um i don't know where to go from here other than uh see you at the next race <laughs> yeah whatever whatever <laughs> <laughs> all right man thanks so much appreciate it